Do you ever notice how people move and react differently when they really don't know who their opposition is? And when I say opposition, I don't mean in the sense of somebody having this imaginary hater that's watching their moves and wants to see what they posting on social media and stuff like that. That's not the opposition I'm talking about because in that reference, the opposition is truly yourself. But when you have people around you that are masquerading as your friends and masquerading as people that are really in your corner backing you up, it's just very interesting the way that people move when you have that confidence that you actually have a support system. Because if you don't have any kind of skepticism about the people that are in your corner, you move a whole lot more freely. You move with, again, a lot more confidence because you feel like you have support. Now, if you sit there and you think about the people in your corner not really being in your corner, like those people are really trying to see you fall. Those people are really praying on your downfall to go ahead and get my Jay-Z quote out the way. You will proceed with a lot more caution and a lot less reckless abandonment because, again, you don't know or you, you might know or soon to know that that person or those people, they're really waiting for you to mess up. So when somebody's really waiting for you to mess up, you tend to be more calculated in your movements. You tend to, to measure one, two, three, four, five times for that one cut and make sure that cut is precise because you know that as soon as you misstep, those people are going to be there pointing and laughing and talking behind your back and really playing you like you boo-boo the fool because that's all they've ever seen you as the whole entire time is, is a joke or, or somebody that couldn't succeed or somebody that's a historical fuck-up, a habitual fuck-up, somebody that just never gets it right and is just... You know how they say that train is never late. They're just kind of sitting there waiting for you to, to quote unquote, be you. Let the true show colors come through. And it's, it's funny because, and I, I can't say that I've been on both sides because most of the time I don't care if people are going to fail. I care if people try. And that's a big thing about me is as long as you try, I will support you. As long as you are making a, a, a decent effort, then I will support you. But then there are those ones that they're not really making an effort. They just kind of say that they're going to do something and there's no follow through. There's no I mean, not everybody has a plan, but you got to You got to start somewhere. And a lot of people will say, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this in the next six months, whatever, what have you. But I don't have a start and they haven't started. And I get that, too, because I've personally said hey, this is something that I'm going to get done in the next six months. And then six months goes and 12 months goes and 18 months go and then 24 months go. And it's just kind of like, all right, where's the start? And a lot of people do that with 
education, career changes, weight loss, relationships, bond, making bonds and amends with family, making bonds and amends with friends, cleaning up your credit. Like it's, it's basically just a part of life where people will get into this cycle of, well, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. And then the people around them starts observing and say, oh, this is a tomorrow type person. They don't get anything done. They just keep pushing it off. They keep kicking that can down the road and down the road and to the point where your friends are really your opposition because you've put them into a position where they can't have any faith in you because you don't ever deliver. And sometimes it's just, you know, you are who you are. You, we all have those friends that talk a big game and never follow through and never do nothing. They are who they are, and we love them just for who they are. And then there are sometimes you have these friends and, you know, they're just sitting there waiting for you to mess up because they're really not truly your friends. They're not supporting you. They're not helping you. They're not encouraging you. They're just giving you the side eye whenever you tell them about your goals and your dreams because they just think of you as a habitual failure. But I don't know, though. Maybe that's just me. Well, that was a little creepy. Um, nonetheless, I feel like we're in a society that really wants consistency but really doesn't do anything to deserve it i feel like we'll go to work and we will say oh i want you to consistently pay me this wage i want you to consistently make sure that i get off at the exact time my shift ends that i get exactly my 32 one hour break and that i get even more than that because i'm working so hard and then at the same time, we'll sit there on our phones and we'll spend so much time texting and we'll spend so much time on social media to the point where I've had I've heard somebody say, you know, you might be at work for 10 hours, but you may do four or five hours worth of work, especially in this time when a lot of us are working from home. A lot of that productivity has went down the tube per se, since we are constantly under a microscope. And in the overarching viewpoint of it all, it's kind of like, how can you demand consistency and not provide consistency in a relationship? How can you demand that your significant other do X, Y, and Z when you're only doing Y, never Z, and X when you get in trouble and need to remind them you know, that you're a good person so that they don't get away. And it's kind of like, it's just nobody wants to put in the work to get what they quote unquote deserve. And we've had this conversation before about how people believe they deserve something when in all actuality, they're probably just getting lucky. And I don't mean that in a negative way, because I think a luck, luck plays into a lot of different factors in life. But at the same time, consistency is a demonstration. A consistency is a demonstration of your willingness, your desire, your motivation. 
I want to pass this test. I'm going to consistently study Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 5 to 7. I'm going to make sure that no matter what, I'm putting my phone to the side for these two hours. Here's my undivided attention. I want to lose weight, so I'm going to make sure that three days a week, I'm doing some kind of exercise. I'm running. I'm lifting weights. I'm, I'm eating right. I'm doing something. Because that consistency, that demonstration of consistency is what's going to be the reward. That's what's going to lead you to your rewards. It's going to lead you to gain knowledge. It's going to lead you to your body seeing these changes that you really want. And without the consistency that we we want, because, you know, nobody, well, some people might want to gain knowledge for a minute to pass a test and keep it moving. Some people may want to get fit for the summer and then go back to, you know, whatever you were during the winter. But the demonstration of that consistency is what's going to lead to the results that you want. You can't expect results if you just simply work out once a month and think that you're going to end up losing 20 pounds. I mean, it's possible if you're dieting and everything, but, you know, you can't expect to show up at work one time on time and then think that that just boosts your track record going forward and forevermore. Like you have to be a consistent performer to reap any kind of benefits that you want out of life. And I'm a big fan of routine because routine consistency in some realms are interchangeable. If you consistently wake up at six o'clock in the morning and you start your day at seven o'clock, whether it be with breakfast or whether you start working at that, that time, your mind and your body become used to these things. And to come used to these things doesn't make them a chore anymore. And that goes in both the positive and the negative. If you routinely get into the mind frame of, and I'll start tomorrow, then you will start tomorrow. And tomorrow never comes. If you routinely get into the mind frame of, oh, I'm just going to flirt with this person, but ain't nothing going to come of it. You know, I'm never going to cheat on my spouse or whatever. You're going to continue to flirt and you're going to continue to flirt. And eventually that's only going to escalate because you're showing your consistency, the willingness to step out on your significant other. It's there. And as humans, we all have the capabilities or the power of, of good and evil. You can consistently be good at stuff. You can consistently be bad at stuff. You can consistently be good at bad things. And it just... It takes the mental fortitude to kind of lock in and see and evaluate your life and say, I want to make these improvements. And again, I'm, most of the time when I'm doing this talking, whether it's here on the JS series or in the podcast, I'm talking about either myself, the events that are happening around me or people that are around me that are experiencing things. So I'm not just sitting on a a holier-than-thou pedestal and telling, you know, oh, I'm so righteous, you need to be doing this and you need to be doing that, and I would never do this and I would never do that because I've never been you and I never will be you. So I can't sit here and tell you what to do because I don't know how that's going to affect you physically. I don't know how that's going to affect you mentally. I don't know how that's going to affect you emotionally. So I just can't sit here. And we all do it. You know, oh yeah, just do this. Because like the saying goes, it's easier said than done. But when I'm sitting here and I'm telling you about consistency, I'm, I'm 
99.9% talking to myself because there are a lot of places in my life that I really need to start being more consistent at. But at the same time, I need to be consistent in a good way. I can't consistently be doing things in a subpar way. I can't consistently keep doing things in a bad way because, again, you look up and here's six months of a bad habit you formed. You look up and here's 12 months of a bad habit that you formed and now it's just a part of your life because it became routine and you've become so consistent at really not caring about yourself or the people around you or the people that you're affecting that it's just second nature to you. It's, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel wrong. It just feels like, hey, this is a way of life for me. And I think in those instances, when you form these bad habits and you consistently do bad things, it weighs you down. Like it puts a weight on your body that wouldn't be there. And to the point where it, you're so used to it that you don't even notice it anymore until you do something drastically different until you stop drinking every day, until you stop eating fast food every day. And then you realize, wait, if I stop doing these bad things, I start doing some good things, I start marginally feeling better. And then you do, you start practicing the consistency of these things. Like, you know what? It feels good to tell the truth all the time. It feels good to not have to juggle 13 or 14 different lies with 20 different people because I'm trying to have this facade of this person that I'm not. And, you know, it just feels good when you form consistently good habits. At least that's just my opinion. But I don't know, though. If you haven't been able to tell by now, I have these random transitions. I downloaded a transition pack, and I've been playing with the different types of transitions. And um, I usually would put more thought into this, but well threatened to beat me if I didn't drop something soon. So, um, you know, here you have it. But um, have y'all ever went back and kind of listened to the old Cash Money records? Like I'm, I'm talking about like the beginning of Cash Money Records, like when they first started, and they, you know, when music sounded like they were recording it off an of iPhone, even though iPhone wasn't around. Um, I noticed that Birdman and Juvenile, they really just didn't give a damn about the beat. Like it wasn't important to them at all. Like there was no, oh, I found a pocket, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, be in here and you know get these bars off and. They gonna change the tempo up and put a little reverb. No, no, they just they just didn't care at all. Like they were just like, oh, I wrote these these words down, and I'm gonna say all these words in this. Oh, I have 30 seconds to say. Oh, okay, I'm just gonna say all these words. As a matter of fact, they probably just put the words down and just threw the beat on later because there is no consistency whatsoever. And then it really makes you think like I'm Lil Wayne carrying y'all forever, like. Yeah, Juvenile has a couple of hits. Don't get me wrong. He he found some pockets in his life. And, you know, as they as they matured and, you know, did more and more music, they, they got better, even Birdman. But go back and listen to them, to them. Um, oh, go back and listen to Bling Bling in particular. Go back and listen to that song. 
Birdman is, is is everywhere. Manny Fresh was never a rapper, but you know, you get on track. I'm I'm gonna treat you like a rapper. But just go back and listen to that to that old rap because these guys were they they just didn't care. But I'm glad they improved. You know, they built a billion dollar franchise, whatever what have you. So I'm not hating. It's just that you know, again, to see the growth in people is is a beautiful thing. But them first Cash Money songs, yeesh. But that's just me though. I had seen this um, post on Twitter from somebody I follow, which somebody I follow that I've never met in real life, actually. But they said um, they've never enjoyed or resonated with the quote, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. And they go on to elaborate and said, let's say that I did something that you perceive to be good. 27, 28, 29, 30 times in a row. And then I did something that you perceive to be unsatisfactory once. What do you believe at this point in time? What if my track record is 30 good things to five bad things? Do those five bad things trump all the good things that I've done? Or do all all the good things trump those five bad things that I've done? And it really made me reevaluate that 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 quote from Maya Angelou because I always was like, yeah, you know, somebody's gonna show you who they are, but then you guys like, man, but what else have they been showing me? Is this good thing that they've been showing me? Is that who they really are as well? And the answer is yes. <laughs> We're humans. We're a mixture of good and bad, or good and evil, depending on how you look at it. Nobody out here is working perfectly. Nobody is out here flawless you know we're all going to come with those flaws we're all going to come with those good things and it's just you really have to evaluate at the end of the day what is the overall effect on you if everything that person does plus these bad things still has a net positive then hey they might be worth keeping around but if they do nothing but bad thing after bad thing after bad thing, and then they do one good thing, is that one good thing so overpowering of the bad things that it makes you stick around? Or does it just make you look like, no, like this one good thing that you do is not going to overcome all the bad that you do, all the negativity, the, the stress that you bring into my life. It's really a, an evaluation in totality because some people will will hold on to one bad thing. It's like, no, this is why I can't I can't work at this job anymore. This is this is why I can't, you know, communicate with this person anymore. Or then people will say, Oh, they do this so well that yeah, there's a flaw. You know, I can't expect of basically people embrace reality. I can't expect a flawless person because I'm not flawless. Yeah. They do this thing, it annoys me, but is it really a deal breaker for me? No, not really. I can get over that. I can work past that. We can work past that. And a lot of the times, people will just, you know, see something hot on social media, this quote, and I'm going to repost this quote, or, you know, and this uh, applies to me, and this is the mantra I'm going to live by. And then it's like, you also got to gotta look at the source. Um Correct me if I'm wrong. I think Maya Angelou might have been a prostitute early in her life. You know, I could, and if I have that historically wrong, I do apologize. History's not my not my forte. 
But it's kind of like, do you look at her and say, oh, she's always going to be a prostitute. She always is going to, you know, be a person that sold her body. She's never going to be the poet laureate or, you know, this inspiration to women because she was a prostitute at one point in time when you don't know the circumstances behind why she did what she did. And that, I mean, you know, sometimes people just do bad shit because they're bad people. I mean, let's just keep it one million. Let's just keep it tall. But at the same time, you might look and see from the outside looking in, you might look at it in just one way, one perspective, and have one angle about it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And that's okay if that's how you feel. But at the same time, you need to be open-minded enough to understand situations. You need to understand why your boss made that decision, your significant other made that decision. And if you can keep rocking with it, you can keep rocking with it. There's nothing wrong with that. Nobody is setting your standard but you. And oftentimes we let society dictate our standards. You know, women ain't messing with any broke men. Men ain't dating women that done slept with more than five people in their life. And you're getting all this, you know, from social media and, and, and the societal norms that nobody really abides by. You're letting, you know, Beyonce tell you to leave her man and she gave Jay-Z two more kids. You're letting Jay-Z tell you that, you know, he going to be a pimp forever and he got right about the game when somebody like Beyonce comes around because there's an exception to everything. I'm not going to say there's an exception to every rule. There's an exception to everything. Everything. There is something or someone or some kind of motivation that's going to make you get out of that ring that you have to say, okay, let me reconsider this. Let me look at this differently. Because if this job is your dream job, but they don't, you got to work on weekends. Are you going to give up your dream job? If this person is the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, but XYZ happened, are you going to give that person up? Here's a pro tip. If you buy all the same socks, when you do laundry, you don't have to worry about matching them because they all go together. Pride is like the greatest liability that humans hold. It's a lot of things that you'll sit there and you'll have way too much pride to do or too much pride to say and you will sit there and you will sabotage yourself people will be too proud to make amends with family people will be too proud to say hey are y'all hiring people will be too proud to say nah i'm broke i need to stay at home today people will be too proud to to do just about anything on this planet and it just boggles my mind that you are standing in your own way. You are standing in your own way of happiness. You are standing in your own way of healing. You are standing in your own way of some financial gains because you feel like you're too proud to quote unquote beg somebody or lower yourself to be human enough to say, you know what, I was wrong about X, Y, and Z, and, you know, can I, you know, possibly do a job? Can I, can we sit down and talk? Can we, you know, work on our relationship? And this is coming from several different, different 
branches in my life where I've been too proud to do things and been too proud to say things. But also it's coming from a perspective where I have basically just thrown my pride out of the window and done a lot of things just because I wanted them so bad. And to me, the pride did not outweigh the gain of actually getting what I wanted. So if I had to eat some crow, I barbecued that crow up and ate it. If my pride is what was for dinner, then that's what I had. But also, there's that fine line of, again, I'm not going to degrade myself. I'm not going to bust down the bare minimums and, and, again, beg somebody. There's a big difference between swallowing your pride and begging people. You can swallow your pride, and it's basically what it is is you're, that you're humbling yourself. Yeah, you know what? I, I was right. I, I was wrong, excuse me. And, you know, I'm going to come to you and and have a conversation. I'm not going to come to you and beg you, please give me a job. Please take me back. Please be my friend. You know, please let's work on our relationship. But at the same time, I'm going to come to you like an adult because I hope everybody that's listening to this is an adult. And if you have kids in the car, I hope I didn't cuss too much because I'm trying to work on that. But the thing is swallowing your pride does not mean that you have to turn around and beg fun fact about me i've worked in finance for about 15 years now i've been everything from a bank teller to a personal banker to a loan officer to a federal examiner to working in risk now And one thing you should know about yourself, if you have a PPP loan and you do not have a legitimate business,